Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. It is Friday, May 14, 2021. We have a very busy news day to get to. Uh, let's start with Republican Elise Stefanik. She is now officially the new GOP conference chair, the third ranking Republican in the House, by the way. What does it mean for the GOP going forward? We're going to discuss that. Also, it's getting far worse in Israel. More than 100 people now dead, over 1,000 injured after Israel took strong steps to try and end the assault by Hamas on Israeli citizens. And that's what it is, by the way, folks. Don't believe the liberal media. The Palestinian territory in Gaza getting pummeled with no end in sight. So the big question now, will Israelis' military launch a ground invasion into the Gaza Strip? We're going to have more on that with Morgan Ortegas, the former State Department spokesman. Also, the Arizona audit soap opera continues, and there's been a big twist. The liberal media wants to avoid talking about this, but look, a big new development about deleted election information. I mean, what in the world going on out there? We are on the ground in Arizona. But first, the GOP vote this morning. Elise Stefanik got 134 yeas, 46 nays, and President Trump releasing this statement saying the following. Congratulations to Elise Stefanik for her big and overwhelming victory. The House GOP is united and the Make, a, Make America Great Again movement is strong. As for Stefanik herself, she spoke to reporters after the vote this morning praising President Trump, by the way, something Liz Cheney would never do in a million years, and also preaching unity. I believe that voters determine the leader of the Republican Party and President Trump is the leader that they look to. Uh, I support President Trump. Uh, voters support President Trump. He is an important voice in our Republican Party and we look forward to working with him. We are unified and I look to the voters across America. Republican voters are unified in their support and their desire to work with President Trump. And we are unified as Republicans. Uh, as, you, as I said, this is the slimmest majority that Nancy Pelosi has in a generation. We picked up a number of seats, defied expectations. We're going on offense and we're going to win on the issue. All right, let's get some reaction to this and other news of the day. Excited to have with us on the water cooler, Madison Cawthorn, the Republican congressman from North Carolina. Congressman, thanks for being here. Really appreciate you. David, great to be on, my friend. Well, look, uh, Elise Stefanik, she's now in leadership. Uh, how did you vote on this and why? Get, take us through it a little bit. I voted for Elise Stefanik. Uh, you know, I think this really signified an ousting of what so many Republicans refer to as rioters, people who preach a good conservative game, but then when they get to Washington, D.C., they just go Washington on us. They become swamp creatures. Uh, so I think this was an ousting of that. It was a rejection of the old guard of the Republican Party. I believe right now, uh, you know, what, what I believe really Liz Cheney was looking to was the past. She wanted to continue to litigate the past nonstop. Uh, but I'm very happy because Elise Stefanik, myself, everyone in our party is now looking to the future. 
to this bold, big tent party that's going to take America by storm. Well, you make a good point there on the big tent because clearly Elise Stefanik from a blue district that went red. I mean, this is this is really a way to say to the liberal media and other people around the country, hey, we, the GOP, are a big tent because look what we're doing with Elise Stefanik. No, you're so right. Uh, you know, when she originally won her seat, Barack Obama had just won with double digits. Uh, but then as soon as uh, uh, President Trump came and then Trump carried the district with double digits, she continued to win. She was on Trump's legal defense team during the impeachment trials. Uh, she's done, really taken all the right stance. Uh, now, there's been people who have discussed her voting record, but I went and had a very long talk with Elise yesterday. Uh, and really, she assured me that she was going to listen to the conservative voices in our movement, the majority of our party, and message that to the country. Because I believe our message, if it gets into the hearts and minds of the American people, they will take it. And a broader question, not so much about Elise Stefanik, but it does seem the Republican Party is look is not looking for genteel politics. They're looking for uh, it's time to fight, that this is a dogfight, and uh, the, the Mitt Romneys of the world and the Liz Cheney's of the world uh, who want to, you know, do all of the nice uh, the niceties, if you will. This is not a time for niceties. You're absolutely right. I will tell you, we are absolutely tired of being run roughshod over. Uh, and Republicans aren't just going to take it on the chin anymore. That the people of Western North Carolina sent me up here to be a weapon for them, and thank God they did, because right now there are gas lines forming in the mountains of North Carolina. China is on the rise. Israel burns. Russia is becoming more and more emboldened and laughing in the face of our president. And so it's time to send fighters to Congress. I am so excited for the next batch of freshman congressmen coming out of the 2022 election. Congressman, let's talk about those gas lines. Uh, gas Buddy, you know that website there, they estimate 68% or so of gas stations uh, in North Carolina are out of fuel. Who knows what it is exactly now, uh, today specifically. But the bottom line is, this is a major problem. How much does the Biden administration deserve blame for this? Because it was a hack on a pipeline, but it's more than just the hack. Well, the Biden administration deserves all the blame on this. You have to understand, our federal government is designed to defend our critical infrastructure. They are designed to save our country from foreign entities. Now, a lot of people, when they hear, oh, well, there was a, uh, some uh, you know, illegal operation going on in Russia, uh, and they attacked, you have to understand, countries like the Communist Party of China, countries like Russia, uh, they try to exhibit soft power, people that are really answer to Vladimir Putin or to Xi Jinping, but also say that they're apart from the government. We have to understand, this was an assault on our nation. This is crippling our country, and it shows just how vulnerable we are. This is why it's so disgusting that Joe Biden killed the Keystone Pipeline. Uh, we need to have be independent on when it comes to gasoline. We do not need to be sitting here begging for energy from other countries. It's despicable. you have any sense of an answer as to when folks might start to see gas regularly back at the pump? Are, are we talking a couple of days here? Could it be longer? Uh, I believe it's going to be a little bit longer than that. Uh, based on the intelligence that we are receiving, uh, talking to the, uh, the Cooper administration in North Carolina and really everyone around with the, the state of emergency has been declared. Uh, we're realizing, and I believe it's even over 68% at this point, but uh, you know, estimates are saying that if this goes on for another 24 hours, gas prices might even go up by another 30 cents a gallon. We have to understand this affects dining room politics. You know, David, I'm sure you, you have many young cousins, many young family members. Imagine the young families right now that are trying to make a living throughout the coronavirus, under all this national pressure, and now the thing that they use to get their kids to school is completely gone.
Yeah, for sure. Hey, I want to, before we, uh, we leave you here, uh, we, I want to talk a little bit about this whole mask uh, situation. I mean, don't even get me started, but I'm curious to get your take on, we're supposed to be celebrating today because the CDC came out and said you don't have to wear a mask if you're vaccinated indoors and outdoors. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm just curious to get your take on uh, all of this because, like, there, the last time I checked, there's not like a CDC jail. It's not like you go to jail uh, and, and Fauci is like the warden or something, though maybe he is in a, in, in a way. <laughs> I, I'm just shocked that people have been wearing masks this entire time. Huh. I'll tell you, the mountains of North Carolina, we don't do it. We let people make their own risk assessment. Uh, no one's going to get on to you if you're wearing a mask, but also no one's going to attack you if you're not wearing a mask. You see Florida and Texas, their economies are booming. Their states are doing great. And they dropped the mask mandate very, very long ago. And so I genuinely believe that what's going on right now, after we found out that Fauci has been involved in a significant amount of funding to the Wuhan lab in China, uh, now the CDC instantly says, oh, well, you know, we've cured coronavirus. And now they're trying to move on from it. Uh, you know, I, I think there's always political charades going on. There's always smoke screens. But we should have dropped the mask mandate for a long time ago. I believe there's a certain amount of civil disobedience that's good for the federal government. Because we have to realize that the federal government answers to the people, not to people like myself who are elected. I'm here to represent you, David, not the other way around. Right. How concerned are you about this idea of the, the vaccine card that people are carrying? I don't even like to call it this vaccine passport. I, I call it papers. I mean, if you start to say, can I see your papers? That, that's a whole different scenario. I mean, that takes us back to Holocaust days, if you will. Uh, so I'm just wondering about a, 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 an America and a society where literally you've got the VPs, the vaccinated people and the UVPs. I mean, like we need more division in this country. It's unbelievable. Uh, well, David, I'll tell you right now, if somebody ever asks me for my papers, I will tell them that they are a Nazi and I'll go right past them. Do not bend the knee to this. Do not capitulate. The people who are pushing this kind of propaganda are cowards. The reason the left loves so much having the coronavirus is because all they had to do was wear a mask and stay six feet away from other people, which made these young men who think they have no absolute bravery, they're nothing but soy boy cowards. It made them feel strong as if they were doing something valiant. Yeah, for sure. And as we wrap up here, I'm just curious how you are. This is my Dr. Phil portion of the interview, about 30 seconds or so. How are you doing? You've, you know, you're, you're a firebrand, you're a freshman, you're bold. Uh, you've come under a lot of criticism from your from from people, uh, not just liberals, but even some of uh, those the rhinos and everybody. Uh, how are you taking all of this in? What's your strategy there? Well, you know, what? number one, I say that when you have the back of the American people, they have your back. Uh, our, our team has proven that the American people are behind us. Uh, we rely completely, on, almost completely on small dollar donations, and we are the third highest fundraiser in the Republican Party. And that's because people have my back because they realize I'm not going to come up here and start talking like a Washingtonian. Uh, if you rely on the House floor, I'm going to call you a liar. Uh, if you say, I, when I say I'm come and take it, I absolutely mean it. Uh, but really, David, I'm doing fantastic. Yeah. I just got married about five weeks ago. So I'm very happy with that, and life can't be much better. Wonderful. Congratulations. You brought the proof with you. I like it. All right. Congressman, really appreciate you being on the show. I'd love to get you back. It's an honor, David. Thank you. All right. Uh, Congressman Madison Cawthorn uh, with us. When we come back, Morgan Ortegas, the former State Department press secretary under the Trump administration, will talk about Israel and all of the craziness there. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. 
Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, Things are escalating over in Israel. And can we just get this on the record? Not to sound like kindergarten here, but Hamas started it. Hello? I mean, listen, don't listen to the liberal media. Hamas is sending rockets and missiles from Gaza into Israel. And oh, by the way, they're using Palestinian families as human shields. Did I, did I miss that part? Did I bury the lead? My bad. Let's bring in Morgan Ortegas, a former State Department press secretary uh, with uh, Mike Pompeo, of course, the Trump administration. Morgan, always great to see you. Thanks, David. Good to see you, too. Well, tell us what you make of this. Give us a 30,000-foot view here of of what is happening over there. This is an issue very important to you, near and dear to your heart. That's right. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Someone asked me the other day, they said, Morgan, you know, foreign policy is so complicated. Can you explain this to us? And I said, you know, actually, it's not that complicated. Israel is our ally and our friend. Hamas is a designated terrorist organization by the State Department, by the U.S. government, for many Republican and Democrat administrations. And Iran, Israel and the United States' uh, chief enemy, is the one that's supplying to the tune of $30 million a month uh, Hamas with funds, aids, all of those long-range rockets that people are seeing on social media and on the news, the pictures of those, those are supplied by Iran. So you have a terrorist state, the world's uh, largest state sponsor of terrorism, not according to Morgan Ortegas or President Trump, but according to the State Department. You have the world's largest state sponsor of terrorism that is supplying a designated terrorist organization, Hamas, with long-range rockets that you are seeing are hitting our ally, Israel. So I don't know why uh, so many people are overcomplicating this issue or trying to make excuses for a terrorist organization or even worse, parroting the talking points of a terrorist organization. But we heard a lot of talk about uh, supporting our friends and our allies during the Trump years and concerns that that may not happen. And, And let me tell you what, here's the case in point where that actually is happening, where our ally and our friend is being attacked daily by a terrorist organization and by a terrorist state. Yeah, for sure. And Morgan, I got to tell you, the, the, the president, President Biden, wh- where has he been on this? I, I've seen a statement. I, I saw a quick statement. I saw Jen Psaki from the podium. I've seen nothing from President Biden on video at all to come out and kind of take ownership of the situation. He's been totally AWOL on this. Yeah, he had a very short uh, rambling statement about it yesterday whenever he went on television live to talk about the uh, pipeline that had been hacked. Uh, by Russian hackers, and so, uh, but it was it was incredibly minuscule. Secretary Blinken and the Defense Secretary uh, Austin have both put out readouts of their conversations uh, with the Israelis, and President Biden alluded to the fact that there have been uh, conversations at all levels, uh, not only with Israel but with the Arab states and in the region. Uh, so, so that certainly is happening. We know that this administration is engaging with Egypt, and and hopefully that can help to de-escalate tensions. But I'll, I'll tell you, David. As you know from my time with the State Department, these statements that we put out, they're carefully worded, uh, carefully vetted. Every single word has meaning. And when Hamas uh, and Abbas and others uh, see uh, statements that do a moral equiv- uh, equivalence, moral equivocation between Israel uh, and Hamas, when they start treating Israel the same in, in language, the way that they're treating a terrorist organization, that signals to Hamas that this administration is not going to do anything to stop in a real way, in a meaningful way, the violence. 
So if you want to stop the violence, if you want to deter it, uh, you could come up very forcefully and let Hamas know exactly what will happen if they don't stop. But the reason why you didn't see this under the Trump administration, under Mike Pompeo, is Hamas knew full well what would happen if they tried these shenanigans while we were in power. Yeah, for sure. I was going to ask you what the response would be from that this from the from a Trump administration today. It w there would have been no moral equivalence here. Well, it just wouldn't have happened, right? I mean, this is why you didn't see this type of violence for the four years that President uh, Trump and you know Mike Pompeo, of course, was uh, were in power. Uh, mm -hmm. Because Hamas knew that they, it's funny, sometimes people ask me, what would have happened if the Chinese, you know, had treated Mike Pompeo the way they treated uh, Secretary Blinken in his first meeting? And, and my response every time people ask me these questions is, it wouldn't have happened. It didn't happen. <laughs> right. There's a reason that none of this happened. So it's kind of hard to answer hypotheticals that wouldn't happen because we led from a position of strength. We backed up our allies, our friends, and we did not reward terrorist states and terrorist organizations for attacking our allies. Yeah. Simple stuff. Morgan, I wonder if we saw, should have seen this coming. I mean, it took, what, uh, Biden over a month or so to reach out to Netanyahu or something along those lines? I mean, there was no phone call. There was nothing. I mean, that, that speaks volumes, yeah. does it not, from a, from a PR and State Department standpoint? You know, for some reason, and I, and I don't get why, maybe it's just the inability to admit that you were wrong. This, this administration has a, has a hard time recognizing that the Middle East has fundamentally changed over the past four years, and for the better. Yeah. We saw peace in the Middle East. We saw four Arab states, including Sudan, uh, recognizing and having real and meaningful relationships with the state of Israel. Uh, when we took the strategy of uh, of rewarding our friends and allies and punishing our enemies, we changed the balance of power in the Middle East so that Arab states could recognize uh, Israel. Uh, we yeah. didn't we didn't give billions of dollars in sanctions relief to Iran. So I, I don't know why they fail to want to capitalize on the Abraham Accords. They can't even bother to call them by their name and they're hellbent on trying to return a balance of power to the Middle East, i.e. by bringing Iran back into into money and power. Yeah. They want to change the balance in a way that I think is going to lead to bloodshed, that's going to lead to violence, that's going to lead to instability. Hmm. Uh, and so I think they're doing it for a reason. I, I don't think that they want Israel and the Gulf Arab states to be emboldened. I've got about 30 seconds left, but, you know, the, the way the media mm -hmm. treats this whole situation, they call Hamas a militant group. I mean, that's like calling Kim Jong-un like a guy from South, uh, from North Korea. I mean, really? I mean, so, so what's your take on how the media is, is framing all of this? Well, again, like I said earlier, this is not uh, Morgan Ortega's definition of Hamas. This is the State Department, the U.S. government official designation of Hamas is that it's a foreign terrorist organization. Right. The State Department, the U.S. government has officially declared Iran is the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism. This is from multiple administrations. And it actually goes, goes against uh, common sense and goes against official U.S. government, uh, uh, you know, recognize uh, labels yeah. if the state, if, excuse me, if the media doesn't declare what these organizations are. Morgan Otegas, always great to see you. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much for being Thanks, here. Thanks, David. All Happy right. To. Uh, Morgan Ortegas, uh, boy, I tell you what. Uh, can, can, I, can, I say, can I say this? Uh, my dad would have said this in 1972. She's a smart cookie. Uh, that, look, it's just, look, that's the term. It was like 1972. Anyhow, uh, she is, and she's uh, spot on in all of this. We are back in a moment with a whole lot more show. We'll see you in a moment. Delve into the shadows of the mind 
with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, what in the world is going on in Arizona? Uh, my goodness. So let me check uh, ABC, NBC, CBS. Oh, look, the, the liberal media, they're, they're on to other stuff. Folks, this is serious stuff, what's happening in Arizona regarding the audit. I want to show you this letter uh, put out by the state Senate president, Karen Fan. She says this, uh, hey, I'm writing to seek your assistance and cooperation in the resolution of three serious issues that have arisen uh, in the course of the Senate's ongoing audit of the returns of the November 3rd, 2020 general election in Maricopa County. She's writing this to supervisors. Number one, ongoing noncompliance with the legislative subpoenas. Two, chain of custody and ballot organization anomalies and three oh wait did i write that read that right deleted databases huh no abc nbc cbs nothing to see here at all deleted databases hey hello that's code for maybe we should ask a few more questions about that uh let's bring in ken bennett arizona uh, senate liaison out there uh in this process and a former secretary of state of arizona uh ken good to see you sir hi david good to see you what in the world? Deleted databases, uh, allegations? I say allegations. There's serious concerns here. What is happening, Ken? Well, our forensic IT uh, contractor uh, found many evidences in some databases pointing to a database that appears to have been deleted from the county. So we're asking about, about that. We're also asking about the chain of custody documentation that we have never received. Uh, from when the ballots were stored after the election until they were delivered to us in April. Uh, there is a, a tweet that was done a couple of months ago by, by the chairman of the uh, Board of Supervisors who showed that eight or ten pallets had been loaded in the back of a truck, uh, pretending that they were ready to deliver them to the Senate uh, on one given day, uh, when the Senate hadn't even said that they were ready to receive them. So. We want to make sure that things like that are documented on those chain of custody records that they took eight or ten pallets out of the warehouse and put them on a truck just to take a picture. Uh, we're also looking for the second passwords that uh, the IT company reviewing the Dominion equipment has uh, run into that the county says they don't have. They don't have the second passwords to 385 ballot tabulation machines that were used in the voting centers. They say that those must only be held by uh, Dominion, which concerns us that apparently the county doesn't have complete access to their election system. And then we're also uh, looking for one other item. I'm trying to think what it was. Oh, uh, we, we need to understand what's going on with ballot boxes that we are opening up. And there's cover letters on batches saying that you should find 200 ballots in this batch. And then when we count them, there's 198 or 192. Right. And so we're looking for some explanation as to the discrepancies uh, between the number of ballots in a batch and the subtotal telling us that we should expect a different number in that batch. And well, in, an election, in, in an election that was decided by two out of 800 votes, that's three-tenths of 1%, even one or two ballot differences 
per 200 batch is significant. There's so much striking here, but you're right. According to that letter by the uh, Senate President, Karen Fan. I mean, part of the concern does have to do with this, I guess what she's saying, a quote, significant number of instances in which there's in essence a disparity between the actual number of ballots contained in a batch and the total denoted on this, what, pink report slip that accompanies the batch. So what, what can you tell us about that? Because that seems extremely significant here. We don't know yet. We've invited, or the, the Senate invited the uh, county officials to come over to the Senate to a Tuesday meeting. I don't think they've accepted that offer yet, but they did announce that they're going to have their own press conference on Monday to try to explain these anomalies. But uh, I wish, and I think the Senate uh, invited them to come over on Tuesday where we can both sit down at the same table, ask questions and get some answers and move forward. Um, may, maybe they have an explanation as to why this whole uh, directory, our IT folks called it, uh, is missing. Uh, maybe it's somewhere else, but uh, they were unable to find it. So, uh, and then the other thing that we're still looking for per the subpoenas is access to the county's routers that were used before, during, and after the election to make sure that the router logs do not show anything being hooked up to the internet from the election management system. So we, we wish they'd come over and, and meet with us face to face. We're kind of hearing through the grapevine now that they're going to have their own press conference on Monday. So, Ken, uh, they, they may have some, quote, answers, but does it, does it feel to you that this has been roadblock after roadblock? And what does that signal to you? Well, almost three weeks ago, it, it does feel like a roadblock. Almost three weeks ago, one of the assistant county attorneys told me personally that the routers and uh, hubs and everything from the Internet connectivity system in the tabulation and election center had been removed from the building, replaced at great expense, I remember him telling me, and that they would be on one of the pallets that was delivered when we received the rest of the election machines. When that happened on April 21st, that pallet was nowhere to be found. And then when I asked about it, he said, oh, we didn't do that after all. Uh, we're going to allow you virtual access into the routers. Uh, that was unfulfilled for almost two weeks. And then finally, when we pushed to find out when we we're going to get that virtual access, they said, well, it's all somehow connected into the sheriff's department and county health records. And if we give you virtual access, all of that is at risk, which our IT folks uh, have responded saying, then let us in. We will review the routers with your people watching so that we don't access anything that doesn't need to be. Yeah. Uh, and they're still refusing that. Uh, I have about 30 seconds left, but it sounds like uh, I don't want to put words in their mouths. But it sounds like they don't trust you, uh, not you, but the process out there. They don't, they, don't they don't trust what you guys are up to. Well, they're not used to being audited. Uh, <laughs> they, they do their own little mini audits. They have claimed that they've done two or three audits, which they have not. But um, maybe it's the, the fact that we're auditing them for the first time and they don't like it. For sure. By the way, what's the timetable now? You're not counting today, right? I mean, you got graduations that come into the arena. What, what, what's happening? What's the latest? We will be uh, off. Uh, you can see the floor is almost empty there. We will stand aside for a little over a week. We'll come back on May 24th. We have a lot more people ready to do it, and we have the building from May 24th through the end of June. All right. But big uh, news potentially next week on, on that Tuesday, the 18th, or maybe even before that, if, if uh, we're going to get any answers. So. All right, Ken, appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Uh, that is uh, Ken Bennett, the liaison between, in essence, Maricopa, uh, the Senate liaison, I should say, but he's a liaison between the Senate and Maricopa County Supervisors. You try saying Maricopa County Supervisors five times quick.
All right, uh, boy, uh, we got to keep on top of that. We will, don't worry. Uh, we'll do it here at uh, Just the News and Real America's Voice. When we come back, Josh Mandel is a candidate for U.S. Senate, leading in the polls, actually, in Ohio uh, to replace Rob Portman out there. Uh, he's got a personal story when it comes to what's happening over, over in Israel, relates to the Holocaust and his grandparents. We're going to talk about that when we come back here on The Water Cooler. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. It was nice to have Morgan Ortegas on with us early in the show, the former State Department spokesman under the Trump administration. Uh, uh, she's Jewish, uh, but beyond that, she was uh, implementing and helping implement policies under the Trump administration regarding uh, Israel. And boy, were they successful in those first four years. Uh, you wouldn't know it today. Uh, what, what a difference uh, an election makes, I guess, if you will. Anyhow, uh, let's bring in Josh Mandel, a candidate for U.S. Senate, uh, who has his own story as it relates to uh, some of what's happening over in Israel. Josh, great to see you again, sir. Hey, David. Always good to be on. Yeah, I want to. I'll get to your uh, candidacy for the U.S. Senate in a, a little bit later. But first, I uh, got to ask you about the latest from Israel. Kind of tell us. Uh, this is personal for you. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. It's personally my my first cousins live over there. We all grew up together here in the Cleveland area. And uh, when we were kids, uh, they moved over, here, over over there. And they don't just live in Israel. They live in the Shomron. They live in Judea and Samaria. And uh, they're out there doing the right thing, living peacefully, raising their families. And now their kids um, have to be in bunkers, you know, have to be in bulletproof rooms, are hiding for their life. And it, it's, it's all because of Hamas, uh, which is a terrorist organization. And it's because of congressmen like Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and others who support terrorism. And, you know, I believe that Israel is the best friend the United States has. And it's interesting, you know, I'm a Jewish guy and I wouldn't be here were it not for a network of very courageous Christians. You just showed on screen pictures of my grandparents. And I, I want to tell a brief story. Yes, please. In, in Italy during World War II, there were about 50,000 Jews. And four of those 50,000 were my grandma Fernanda, my Aunt Marietta, my Aunt Renata, and my Uncle Mario. And as the Nazis were rising in Europe, there was a network of courageous Christian families in Italy that got together and said, we're going to save these kids. Hmm. And if you think about that level of courage, David, they risked their own life. These courageous Christian families, that's my grandma on screen right there. Hmm. They risked their own life to save complete strangers. And if the Nazis would have knocked on that door, they would have not only killed my grandma Fernanda, they would have killed the courageous Christian family hiding her as well. And you know, I believe if, if, if that family was on your show right now and you asked them, how did you do that? Where did, how did you harness that type of courage? They would tell you it's from their faith. It, it's from their belief in God. And they, they could reference so many Bible passages, but perhaps one might be 
from the book of Joshua, where we're told to walk courageously. And if we walk courageously, the Lord will protect us. And, you know, I, in this life, I'm trying to pay back that debt. I'm blessed to have three beautiful children, uh, my five-year-old Gideon, six-year-old Judah, and eight-year-old Rosie. And not only would I not be here were it not for that network of courageous Christian families, but they wouldn't be here either. Uh, and so I'm, I'm forever, our family's forever indebted to those incredibly courageous Christians who, who made it possible for us to be here. And uh, I know that the state of Israel is so grateful for Christians throughout the United States of America that support the Jewish state. Well, you know, first of all, thank you for sharing that story. It's a powerful one, and, and you're absolutely right. And, you know, I think a lot of people try to understand why American Jews, and many of them are obviously Reformed Jews or more on the liberal side of things, but they don't really support Israel as much as, as evangelical Christians, for sure. Evangelical Christians are like the biggest backers of Israel, and this is, this is a biblical issue for them, for sure. It, it is. You know, as we read in Genesis 12, 3, uh, God will bless those who bless Israel and will curse those who curse Israel. And, you know, there's so many evangelical Christians throughout the United States and throughout the globe uh, who've made it their mission uh, to uh, support Israel and support the U.S.-Israel relationship. And I got to tell you, in my campaign for U.S. Senate, my most passionate supporters are evangelical Christians throughout the state of Ohio. And because of that, you know, we've we've made a decision rather than running our campaign through the Republican Party, like the traditional Republican Party groups, we're actually running my campaign through churches. Hmm. You know, we were down at a Solid Rock Church in Lebanon, Ohio. It's between Dayton and Cincinnati. We had 500 courageous Christian activists out there when I spoke. Uh, we were at a couple weeks ago in Dayton at uh, Washington Heights. Washington Heights Baptist Church had over 300 people there. We were in a small town called Bucyrus, Ohio. Um, my friend, uh, Pastor J.C. Church is the pastor there, yeah. uh, Ministry and Truth Victories. You probably know J.C. And, you know, he, we had over 250 people there in Bucyrus, Ohio, rural Crawford County. And there's just outpouring of Christian conservative activists throughout the state of Ohio that are supporting my campaign for U.S. Senate. Yeah. And I think they know that when I go to the U.S. Senate, there will be no stronger champion for religious liberty, religious freedom, and the Judeo-Christian values on which America was founded and grew strong. Josh, it's, it's really scary to see and, and look at some of these tweets by Ilan Omar uh, and many others, Andre Carson, I can go down the list. Uh, the, 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 the Jihad Squad is what they're being called now. Uh, and, and that's scary in and of itself. What's even more scary to a degree is the Nancy Pelosi's and the Joe Biden's of the world that let them get away with it. Uh, I, I'm curious to get your take on that. We've got about a minute left or so. Yeah, Pelosi empowers them. Uh, Biden, Kamala Harris, they empower the Jihad Squad. And listen, Elon Omar and Rashida Tlaib, they have essentially become spokesmen for Hamas. Yep. Hamas is a terrorist organization. Don't take my word for it. You know, just read their charter. You know, the charter of Hamas calls for the, the murder of innocent civilians, calls for, you know, pushing Israel and Jews and Christians into the sea. And let me finish up by saying this. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict it gets a lot of the news, but one of the undertold stories of the Middle East that I'd love to come back on your show and talk about mm -hmm. is the persecution of Christians throughout the Middle East, mm -hmm. where all throughout these jihadi-led nations, you have radical Muslims who are putting the gun to the head of Christians and saying, convert to Islam or die. And I believe in my heart of hearts, 
Jews and Christians, we are bound together in fighting and combating this infection of radical Islam, whether they're trying to spread that infection in the Middle East or here in the United States. We have to not water down, but double down on the Judeo-Christian values of America, not radical Muslim values, not atheism, but Judeo-Christian values. hundred percent. They're called Judeo-Christian values for a reason, and you just articulated very well there. We'd love to have you back on the show, Josh, and good luck with your Senate race out there in Ohio. Thanks, David. Always good to be on. All right. Same here. Uh, what does that mean? Good to be on my show? No, good to have you on this show. <laughs> All right, uh, Josh Mandel. And uh, boy, and by, by the way, you talked about Hamas being a terrorist group. Yes, as Morgan Otega said earlier, the State Department calls them a terrorist group, but Joe Biden won't. And oh, by the way, the Washington Post calls them a militant group. Yeah, right. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Time for the last sip. Hey, are you vaccinated? Come on, you got free stuff. Let, oh, hello, there's the needle. Give me it. Boom, give me a vaccination. Give me two, actually. Is it a Pfizer, Moderna, whatever? Boom, give me two. All right, thank you. Because you can get a lot of free stuff. Uh, did you know that if you're vaccinated, I got a whole list here. You can get a free Krispy Kreme donut. You can get a Budweiser. You can get uh, a Junior's cheesecake. Uh, what else? Nathan's hot dogs there in New York. Uh, oh, did you know if you go to Staples, you can get a free laminating service for your vaccine passport? <laughs> Anyhow, all right, uh, so Mayor de Blasio in New York, we, don't, don't we love him? Uh, Mayor de Blasio is now giving out fries, uh, free fries, Shake Shack fries, but, but it was kind of creepy when he did it. Uh, have a look, this is weird. Free fries when you get vaccinated? Um, I got vaccinated. You're saying I could get this, the delicious fries? Wait a minute, but there's also a a burger element to this? Let me let me check with Bill Needhart. Is it too early in the day to eat a burger? No. This can be breakfast? Okay. I want you to look at this and think about, again, some people love hamburgers, some don't. Really want to respect all ways of life. But if this is appealing to you, just think of this when you think of vaccination. Mmm. Vaccination. Mmm, vaccinations. That's weird. Hey, then we, we saw de Blasio here as well doing this with Krispy Kreme. Look at this. Oh my gosh. Heavenly. Mmm, vaccination. Mmm, Krispy Kreme. Uh, by the way, Joe Biden has, a, has an announcement. Uh, here's Joe Biden's announcement to the world. It's vaxxed or masked. I thought it was vaxxed or waxed. No, masked. I'm confused. How many times did it take him to do that? Can we, can we, is there a way, Austin, can we do that one more time? This is a scintillating two seconds from, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. It's vaxxed or masked. Yeah, okay. I'm going with the over-under on that as 15, as in how many times did it take Joe Biden to do that? 15, over or under? (laughs) 
I'm going over, uh, FYR. Anyhow, so there you go. So if you're vaccinated, uh, great. Uh, go and have a lot of food if you're uh, for free. And if you're not vaccinated, keep your mask on. And the bottom line is, uh, yeah, just don't do anything. And just what are you like this hated individual in the country because you don't because you're not vaccinated? I, it's a Friday. I'm going to be happy. OK, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler Show. I'm really, I feel a little slow today. Uh, whatever, that's not your problem, right? All right, uh, Anna Perez is here, Real America's Voice Correspondent. Why am I apologizing for my, apologizing for my slowness? I don't know. You should apologize to me for your slowness. <laughs> you that's want me to apologize personally here. to you? Yes. Okay, I'm sorry for my slowness. <laughs> uh, what, what's going on in the news? Because uh, you always have very, always interesting stories with you. I don't mean with you, but I mean, do you have interesting <laughs> stories? Well, yesterday, uh, mm -hmm. Kevin McCarthy and a bunch of other GOP lawmakers mm -hmm. visited the uh, National Police Memorial yesterday, or sorry, the Law Enforcement Memorial, mm -hmm. um, where he gave a speech essentially just saying that, you know, this past year, 2020, was, you know, the deadliest year for police officers. So we really shouldn't be considering defunding the police at all at this point. You know, if this is going to be, these are going to be the numbers that we have. Uh, you mm -hmm. look at cities like Minneapolis, Portland, you know, crimes have doubled and tripled in these cities who mm -hmm. have taken the step to defund their police. So, you know, that, of course, is an issue. And then on top of that, you know, how are things going to get better if we take resources away from the people that protect us? Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, murders are going to rise, as we've seen already. So how is that helping the problem that they already seeing. Yeah, for sure. And, and and the Republicans believe that, once again, they, they can put this in Democrats' face, right, in 2022. Right. And I think that's going to be a huge selling point. I mean, we've seen yeah. what happened, you know, and they're not even just, it's not even just American people who are noticing this. Mm -hmm. Actual lawmakers who wanted to defund the police have already come out and they've spoken about how they regret doing that because they're noticing that, you know, the people who voted for them and wanted these things, they're regretting what they've done. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's New York now, especially with the pandemic and everything. Look. It's already a mess. So why would you want to add to the mix, you know, crime and murders? Yeah, and you just wonder about Biden, too. I mean, he, he never wanted to say that he's for defunding the police. He would never, he would never say that because he knows politically it won't work. And he might not even be for it, but he knows politically that ain't playing well in the suburbs, especially. Right, and we've seen that a lot in the rise of this BLM movement where a lot mm -hmm. of Democrats have been scared to stand up and take a strong stance on either side because mm -hmm. they know that it's, you know, a tough line to walk as, you know, with the, the far left saying, no, we have to defund it, you know, Antifa taking over Portland. And, you know, they, they love that. But then you have people who are not insane who are saying, hey, we shouldn't do this. This is bad. They know that they're going to lose votes either way. Right, the not insane people. Right. Right, okay. Anna, thank you. That was very funny. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend, by the way. Thank you. You too. Okay, what am I going to be doing this weekend? Well, you know, I checked my gas tank. I'm on empty, so I, apparently I'm not doing anything. Because, you know, good luck trying to find gas around here. Joel Rosenberg uh, will be with us next week. Uh, Stephen Miller and a lot more. See you.